Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Our guys are really understanding the coverages now. Certainly there's some luck involved in it, but again, hustling and attention to detail creates some of that luck too. Dobbs, too hot, and on the deflection and interception by Brisker. Fourth down and three, and this one up in the air and picked off by Edwards. This one is intercepted by Chicago and Kyler Gordon. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Sponsored by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Justin Fields drives. Obviously, our, our goal is to win a division. But more importantly, I believe it's the way we finished. I think that's going to be more lasting. Now, here's Kevin Powell. Welcome into another edition of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Joining me now is Josh Schrock, covers the Bears for NBC Sports Chicago. Follow him on Twitter at Schrock underscore and underscore ah i love the twitter handle uh josh appreciate you jumping on the uh the podcast uh before we get into bears lions on sunday let's get into some of the big picture questions here matt eberflus future luke getzi justin fields i guess is where are you at right now with five games to go on what things might look like at Hallis Hall next year, whether that's Eberflus's future, whether it's Justin Fields. I know a part of that might be where the Bears draft, which is probably going to be number one. Um, I guess just big picture, where are you at with things at Hallis Hall and what might transpire over the next, uh, I don't know, three, four months here? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, let's let's start with Matt Eberflus because I, I think a lot of people want to uh, maybe tie these futures together, but I'm not I'm not certain that's the case. I think with Eberflus, uh, if you were to ask me two months ago when they were 0-4 and, and it looked completely unprepared to start a season that had some pretty high and oversized expectations, I would have told you, um, I think he's gone. I think what he's done with the defense and, you know, since Montez Sweat has, has come in, Kevin, they've they've really kind of shown what this defense can do with the right pieces. The blitz rate is down, the pressure rate is up, the turnovers are up. Uh, they're first in run defense, ninth uh, ninth in yards allowed per game. So I think that might end up being, uh, you know, what saves him and maybe gets him year three. But I do think that five games is is a lot in the NFL. I mean, that's almost a third of the season. They could finish four and thirteen, and he and he could be gone. Um, I, my inclination right now is he's probably safe, but I think that's really up in the air with Justin. I really do think it comes down to the draft pick and, you know, with the Patriots, uh, you know, shout out to Mitch Trubisky, somehow beating the Steelers. Uh, the bears are probably going to get the number one pick. So that probably signals, I would assume that, uh, that Justin, you know, will not be the starting quarterback in 2024. I think. Uh, you can defend passing on Bryce Young and either not evaluating C.J. Stroud properly or maybe you just didn't like him and giving Justin another year. You cannot do that with Caleb Williams and Drake May. Um, whoever you like, if you're Ryan Poles and either Matt Eberflus or you know whoever the next coach is, Jim Harbaugh, Brian Johnson, take your pick, uh, you're going to want your guy. Uh, that's not even really a knock on Justin. I just think that's the way the NFL works when uh, you're a guy who's shown flashes but has been relatively inconsistent. Um, I don't think the Bears can can pass on the number one pick. So I would assume, uh, barring Bryce Young going on an unforeseen tear and knocking the Bears down to two, um, I think Justin will be gone. I think Eberflus's future is very much up in the air with Getzey. 
I have a hard time seeing him make it through either way. I really do. The offense has been so spotty. The game plans have been clunky, haven't made a ton of sense. Um, and, and I think if you're bringing in a new quarterback, you're probably bringing in a new OC at least. And, and, you know, honestly, Kevin, you should probably just bring in a new head coach as well and start everything fresh and get everyone on the same timeline. Right. I admittedly have flip-flopped on the whole Justin Fields thing quite a bit. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say quite a bit, but I have. I mean, I, I totally see the side of Justin Fields because I've been high on Fields since he entered the league. I, you look at the physical mm-hmm. tools and his ability and everything he's capable of doing on the football yep. field, and, and you think, okay, this is a guy you could build around. This is a guy you can right. win with, I think. And it hasn't exactly translated to a lot of victories with Justin Fields, mm-hmm. and it's not all on him, obviously. But you look at the position the Bears are in, back-to-back years where they're going to have the top overall pick. Caleb Williams, one of the highest-rated quarterbacks, uh, I think, that coming out of college in a very long time, maybe since Andrew Luck. So aside of me, right? The, 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 I think for a lot of people, you want to see Fields be the guy. You want to see them build around him. You can do a whole bunch with that first pick. If they do trade it, you're essentially trading J- Caleb Williams, right? Like teams will pay. You're, you are paying a premium for that, that top overall pick. And think about what the Bears got for essentially Bryce Young. They got an extra first-round yep. pick and DJ Moore. So think about, think about that scenario with Caleb Williams factored into it. So I totally see... Uh, you know the sides of building around fields. I just, I just don't know, Josh, if they can they can really pass up an opportunity once again with the top overall pick to select a guy like Caleb Williams. I and I I know there are so many holes on this roster, and they've gotten better under Ryan Poles over the past year in terms of filling some of those holes. Mm-hmm. So so I've, I've I've gone back and forth, Josh, because I think the bitter, I think bitter Bears fans will will pretty much assume that whatever decision they make is going to be the wrong one, right? Like they move right. on from Fields, they draft Williams, Williams doesn't work out, Fields has success. They stick with Fields, they don't have success. The other team that drafts Caleb Williams has a ton of success. Those are I think those are the nightmare scenarios that are going through the minds of Bears fans right now. Yeah, no, there's no doubt, and probably for for good reason. I think. You know, from the Justin standpoint, I'm with you. I think the talent, I've been a, a big field guy since he came out of Ohio State. When I was covering the Niners and they had the number three pick, I was like, there's no way you can't take Justin Fields. Um, I, it's not his fault that hasn't worked out. He's honestly performed admirably in really horrible situation. I mean, he's yeah. probably had the worst draw of any of those five quarterbacks, um, and he's shown he's shown enough to get, you know, a third season and maybe a fourth. But if you're looking at it from Ryan Pohl's standpoint, what's what's the quickest way you get fired, right? It's passing on Caleb Williams, sticking with Fields, and it blows up. If you trade Fields and draft Caleb Williams and it doesn't work out, it's probably not getting you fired. Yeah. I know. And we've been here before with the Chicago Bears where it's you know general managers tying themselves to, to quarterbacks, yep. which is understandable. But I do, and you mentioned this at the start, like, if you're going to draft a Caleb Williams, don't you just kind of wipe this, the slate clean and, and bring a whole new staff in and, and match him up with an offensive-oriented head coach? Like, the, like, And we know the names, whether it's Ben Johnson or Harbaugh, whoever it might be. Wouldn't that be yeah. the logical move here? Yeah, no, that's what, what smart organizations do. And I say smart organizations because the Bears have a recent track record of not doing this is <laughs> You know, hey, we're going to draft a quarterback, so we're going to scrap the staff. We're going to bring in a new head coach, and we're going to let him and his offensive coordinator pick the quarterback, and then everyone's on the same timeline. Everyone's on that timeline. You reset the rookie contract. You let your new head coach get his guy and that development, and you can build the roster around him, right? The defense is already pretty good. 
You're going to have more money to build out that defense, add another playmaker. That all makes sense. I would not bring back Matt Eberflus on what might be either a lame duck year or an extremely hot seat year with a rookie quarterback. That's, once again, another recipe for a disaster. You saw with Fox and Trubisky, Nagy and Fields. That, that doesn't work. So if you're doing that, I scrap it all. If it's Brian Johnson, Ben Johnson, Frank Smith, Harbaugh, whoever you like, you bring them in, and then you all evaluate the quarterbacks together, and you pick probably Caleb Williams or you pick Drake May if that's who you choose. But everyone has to be on the same page. What have you thought of Luke Getze's job? I know um, there's been a lot of talk about the play calling against Minnesota a couple of weeks ago, and I, I actually thought early on I totally understood the, the the perimeter passing, the screen passing, considering what the Vikings bring with, with their pass rush. And especially, I mean, that was the game Fields got hurt against Minnesota earlier in the year. And the very first play of that game, the Bears were unprepared and Fields got smoked for a, for a loss and for a sack. So I think early on I was like, okay, this makes sense. I get it. And then it was almost like a, a stubbornness to his play calling. He he refused to relent on the on the screens uh, throughout that entire game. But overall, uh, what do you think of the job Luke Getzey has done this season? You know, I think the Minnesota game plan was kind of illustrative of Luke Getzey's time in general here, where I think – he's had some really good moments and I'm with you. I thought the screen game initially was really smart because they had no answers in week six and that's a quick answer. But as we've seen, you know, we saw last year when they came, you know, they got the comprehensive quarterback run game going. And then after three games, teams caught on and there, there was no, there's no wrinkle off the wrinkle, right? Like the Vikings adjusted the screen game and he's like, why don't we just keep going to the spring game? And right. it's like, no man, you, you have to have a counter to their counter. And he hasn't shown the ability to at least in game, create those counters so you know I think Luke might end up being I think he's an offensive coordinator that is really good probably at teaching his system and teaching his scheme but I don't think he's an OC who is really good at building around players strengths if they don't exactly fit his scheme which I think is what we've seen with Justin where there have been some games where the game plan makes a lot of sense and it all works with Justin and then there are games where it's like I have no idea what's going on, what went on in practice this week. Why, like, why is this the game plan? Mm-hmm. And, and there's been, I think, a lot of instances over the past couple of years where they come out looking really good offensively. The game plan is there, yeah. but I think in terms of in-game adjustments and, and working on the fly, maybe mm-hmm. not so much because I think right. we, we have seen plenty of examples of the Bears coming out hot and looking good. And the offense is, mm-hmm. is operating at a high level, and it just kind of fades. And they and sometimes they just look like they get stuck, and they can't find a way to adjust and make the offense make the offense work. Yeah, no, the scripts the scripts are. I mean, honestly, Luke's scripts have been pretty consistently good. And then, like you say, we get to drive three, four, and it's like, okay, like what's what are we doing? It's three and out. And like, I, I think another thing I'd point to is just the run game was so good last year, and at the start of the season it was nowhere to be found. It was like they weren't they weren't going to the wide zone. It was a lot of straight shotgun drop back gap scheme stuff. And it's like, man, you built the line to do the outside zone scheme. You built the backfield for that scheme and you're not really tailoring it mm-hmm. to that scheme. So I think there's just been there's been too many questions for me with uh with Getsy at this point to to feel good about him getting a third year. He might get a third year but he's got a lot of uh, a lot of questions to answer over these final five games. The bar is so low with the Chicago Bears, and we hear players all of the, <laughs> all of the time saying, "We're close, right? We're close. We're close. We're close." Yeah. And yes, they yep. they could very easily be six and six right now, but they're not. They're a four win team. Uh, you've covered other teams. You you have a 
larger perspective, I, th- I do. Do you think the Bears are making progress right now? Do you think they are close to being? I don't know. We'll call them a, a playoff contender. Well, I shouldn't even say that because if they had the two wins, they would be technically a playoff contender. But do you think there has been real growth, or do you think that's just kind of the easy narrative for players to kind of throw out there? Or do you do you think there the good things are happening at Hallis Hall right now? I mean, there, there's certainly been been growth. I think, especially defensively. Um, I think that growth is hard to gauge just given how the season started. Like they were in yeah. such a crater that them getting back up to looking pretty competent on a weekly basis is seen as this giant sign of growth. And it's like, well, they probably shouldn't have been in that big of a hole after the off season. Like you had five months to get ready for the season and you were just completely unprepared for four weeks. Um, I think, I do think, as I said, I think Matt Eberlus has done some really good stuff with the defense. Uh, I think the young players are developing. I think as they've gotten healthier, that that unit looks pretty solid. I, I haven't really seen the growth offensively. It's been very clunky. You know, we've seen games where DJ Moore has eight catches and 13 targets, and then games where he has, you know, one target in the second half of a game. You know, they lose by one possession. So, uh, you know, they talk a lot about the 17-game process, and growth is very small, and it's, you know, incremental. Um, so I think in, in parts they've made growth. Um, I, I think they're better – then four and eight. I mean, they're probably a six and six football team, maybe five and seven. But you know, they're they're about what I thought they'd be at this point. I just think it looks different given how they started. I know we're not going to hear from him, but wouldn't you just love to hear a candid Kevin Warren? Like, because that's really where it starts, right? All this big picture decision making starts from Kevin Warren. I thought if he really wanted to send a message that things were different at Hallis Hall, not that I anticipated it, but after the collapse against Detroit. If, if he were to have come out Monday and said we're moving on for Matt Eberflus, and I'm Josh, I'm not the guy hollering for firings of coaches and all of that. I'm not that guy. Yeah. But I thought that Monday, if he really wanted to send a message that things were different at Hallis Hall, and I understand it could be coming from ownership not wanting to fire a coach midseason, uh, yeah. I think that could have sent a message that the Bears are different and that that sort of collapse, and they've had two of them now, that maybe yeah. things are different at Hell's Hall. I, I just I, it all everything stems as big decision making. I think from Kevin Warren. You know, he's not here just to build a stadium. You know, he's 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 working on both sides here, the football side and the business side. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I do think it. I think it's notable that after the Broncos collapse, um, after the Lions game in Detroit, after the Minnesota win, Kevin Warren was. In the locker room, he came up and you know thanked reporters for covering the team before having a meeting with Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles. So like, he's made his presence known. I just don't know if we know how he's like. I don't know. We know what his role in football operations is going to be, and maybe it's yeah. almost the same as having a new owner, where you come in and you give whoever is employed there a full year. You give them everything to evaluate, and then when the season ends, it's like, okay, I made up my mind. And I wonder also how much is not really having an adequate possible interim coach maybe impact that, right? Like they lose Alan Williams, who would probably have been the likely candidate. Like they're not going to promote Getsy. They don't yeah. like Richard Hightower, like the staff. They're already short staffed. So it's kind of, they're kind of in a place where Good even point. if they wanted to, and I don't know that they, they would want to, like they, they couldn't do that anyway. So it would be interesting this offseason just to see how involved Warren is in the football ops and what, what decisions are made after what's been, you know, an underwhelming year. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's it's true. I mean, he has made his presence felt. I mean, you remember Week yeah. One against Green Bay that 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 disaster, yep. that clunker. Where was he? <laughs> he was sitting in the press box next to media relations, right and he was showing his frustrations. Yep. Also, shout out Kevin Warren. The food in the press box at Soldier Field has been a, a huge upgrade this season. Josh, shout out Kevin There's Warren no for that. <laughs> it There's is no it is edible. We will take that. Yeah. Um, we like that. We like that. All right, before I let you go, let's get into this matchup with the Lions, which I think is an interesting yeah. one because I yeah. think it will give us a another good look at where exactly this team is at, right? Detroit is not going to be surprised by the Bears this week. Detroit has a lot to play for, trying to wrap up yep. this division. They're having a great season. The Bears kind of surprised everybody a few weeks ago. Should have won that game. They didn't. Detroit found a way late. But I think this is going to be a really good look into what the Bears are uh, if we do think there is progress. If they go out and look horrible and get blown out by Detroit, which I'm not anticipating, that's, yep. that gives us a good idea of where they're headed. If they go out and they, and they win by a touchdown or 10 points or whatever, okay, progress. That's progress. But what are you anticipating in this matchup at Soldier Field Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you first. I think it's a very, I think it's going to be a relevant gauge to the competency of this coaching staff mm-hmm. to craft a new game plan and try to predict the adjustments Detroit will make off what they did three weeks ago. Right? They was so it was it's such a short turnaround for these two matchups. Like the Lions will not be surprised. They're going to know exactly what the Bears want to do. How do the Bears plan to adjust to what they think the Lions will do to adjust? So it's going to be a pretty a pretty good gauge of what Matty Recluse and Luke Getzey, you know, have in the tank in that in that regard. I think the Bears and they did it last year too. They just match up, I think, schematically really well with what the Lions want to do, especially with the run defense being as good as it is this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they did a pretty good job shutting down that between the tackle run game in Detroit. Uh, they kept Sam Laporta from beating them in the middle of the field, which I was pretty shocked by because the Bears have been chewed up in that area this season. Um, you know, as, if the Bears can stop, you know, the Jameer Gibbs swing pass, the Amon Ra quick outs, the extension of the run game from getting going, they can probably, you know, do what they did last time. I don't know if they'll turn Jared Goff over three times, but they can they can keep this close, and they're very they're very confident. They think they're you know more physical than the Lions. They feel like two of the last three times. You know, they, they beat them physically, they outplayed them, and they just gave it away. Uh, Justin really kills this team with his legs. I think running quarterbacks are, are something the Lions really struggle with. And that defense in general has given up, I think, the third most points in the league since mm-hmm. Week 7. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be another tight game. Obviously, I think it's supposed to snow, so that adds a, a different a different factor. Bear weather, my uh, friend. Just, Never discount the bear, bear weather. weather. That's, that's right. I, the one I'm interested in is just, can the Bears get the get the run the non Justin Fields run game going? It's really been other than a couple of Deontay Foreman moments. It's been not what it was last year. A couple weeks ago in Detroit, I mean, Khalil Herbert was fresh off a uh, you know an ankle injury. He averaged I think two yards a carry. Roshan was at five, but he only got six carries. So can they get that going? Especially if it snows, um, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go against my better judgment and say the Bears win. But, yeah, if they come out and get steamrolled off a bye, it's going to be a bad look. And all of a sudden, you know, all the good feelings and the progress that we talked about for the last couple weeks have just flushed down the toilet. Yep, lots to play for. Should be interesting. I was kind of surprised by the line when it came out. I mean, Detroit's only favored by three, so Vegas thinks it should be a a competitive game again. But uh, a lot to to watch for, a lot to look into in in that matchup Sunday. Josh, really appreciate the insight. Great stuff, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, always a pleasure, Kevin. Anytime. 
Thank you again to Josh for joining me on the podcast, episode 78. Thanks to Brian Altimer and Ernie Scatton for their help producing the podcast. And thank you for listening, and thank you to our local Chevy dealers, the podcast sponsored by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Justin Fields Drives. This was episode 78 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast.